Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, the reigning, defending, 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 undisputed, universal, heavyweight champion, Wildcat Radio 2.0, bear down, you beautiful people. What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Barry. We're back after a little bit of a break because, Brett, as always, the news never stops when it comes to Arizona athletics or, I guess, even the Pac-12 now. So, good times. Is it is it news when the Pac-12 was about to be old news as a conference? Well, I saw, didn't you tweet something? I got a Pac-10 shirt, and the Pac-12, of course, we've learned is going to lose USC and UCLA in a, what, a year, a couple years? So that yeah. that's fun. Um, what that means for the conference as a whole, because those are two of the anchors. Obviously, the L.A. schools are kind of necessary for the finances of this conference. And ever since that news broke, the discussion has been, well, what happens to the rest of the conference? You know, it goes to Pac-10. Do they try to add San Diego State or some other schools that don't really move the needle too much? Or do they lose more programs, you know, specifically to us and our audience, Arizona and probably ASU? And, yeah, there's a lot of options on the table, it would seem. And... I just buckle up is what it sounds like everyone should do right now. Yeah, I I think anybody that knows exactly how this is going to go is probably full of it. It sounds like, you know, the four corner states in the Pac-12 are, you know, Jason Shears reporting that they're going to talk to the Big 12, which seems like the odds on favorite. I'm not I'm not convinced that that's for sure. I'm not going to I don't think that's the best case scenario for Arizona. Um, I also don't know if sticking to the Pac-12. 10 right now is particularly great because Arizona can't replace or the Pac-12 can't replace uh, any anything close to the UCLA's and USC's of the Pac-12 in terms of revenue or prestige. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think the ideal case would be to move with the, the LA schools um, to that to, to that conference, which I think is probably unlikely if even if you pair with ASU. Though I do think people underestimate the value of I mean, you you grew up here too, Adam. You know how many Midwest families and roots are here. How many people in the state of Arizona collectively have, you know, a old Big Ten school as their, like, second favorite mm-hmm. thing because that's where your dad went, right, or your grandfather went. So, like, I think that that would be a big selling pitch for Arizona and ASU to try to join, but they'd also probably have to agree to take a smaller share and then reevaluate it in, like, five years. But I just... I, 
I don't know, man. <laughs> well, this is Larry. The gift of Larry Scott just keeps giving, right? Like this, the wheels were in motion for so long time ago with the uh, Pac-12 network not being great and just the revenue not being there. So it makes sense that if you're USC and UCLA and they'll start in the Big Ten in the 2024-2025 season, but it makes sense to go. Like you're kind of carrying the conference in a way that, like you said, Brett, like they can't really replace. There's no school of those natures of that nature coming to the Pac-12. Like you could go get a San Diego State. I saw them float around. I think there were a couple others that were kind of floated around as maybe coming in, but they don't they don't excite you. You know, like they're not. It's not USC who's gonna probably be pretty good at football again, and their basketball program has been solid. It's not UCLA, which is okay in football, and obviously we know UCLA basketball. Like you're not gonna have a school of that caliber come in. So the Pac-12, which it would come to Pac-10 or whatever the Pac is after all this, it doesn't seem that exciting. You know, you see like oh Arizona ASU could be some of the anchors of the conference. Well, if that's the case, the conference is in trouble. Like, <laughs> like it's a big market, obviously, the Phoenix market, the Tucson market combined, Arizona and ASU can bring a lot to the table. I think to your point, Brett, there's a good reason for these conferences to maybe want to have that footprint reach Arizona. Like, yes, go further out west. But I don't know if anyone's lining up to take either of those programs, to take either of those universities and what they can bring to the table. So, like, it's, we probably should have seen it coming. Like, the Pac-12 has not been in great shape. We know that for, it's been the case for a while. But this happening obviously just threw everything into a loot, like into a tizzy, because now it's like, well, what happens next? And <laughs> we saw the Pac-12 statement. They came out with the first one was like, this is not a great statement. It seemed like they were just caught flat-footed, which is just inexcusable. And then you see like the different schools. Arizona put out a statement too about what they were doing and just saying they'll do what's best for their student athletes, this and that. They want to be at the highest level of competition. Well, it's not going to be whatever is left of the Pac-12. Like that, I think we know. That we know for certain. Yeah, thank thank God Larry Scott is like on a beach somewhere with twenty million dollars he basically stole from all <laughs> the universities. Um, the other thing that's just it's just crappy about the timing for the Arizona schools, I think, is that two years from now, if Jed Fish, you know, the promise of Jed Fish shows up on the field, Arizona looks like more of a you know more of a, a viable football program, and that probably makes them much more attractive combined with all their other schools. And if you're ASU. You probably wish this happened two years ago when it looked like they had a football program. And, you know, for the next couple of years, like, I don't know, I've poked around on the ASU boards and they think they're like, you know, the new hotness. And it's like, guys, you're going to not have a team in, in the next 18 months. <laughs> like, slow your roll. Um, it's it's funny. And it's it, the funniest part of it all, Adam, is like a, USC and UCLA. It's all about like. The, what they can bring for the TV contracts. And I don't even think UCLA and USC as a fan base is particularly engaged. It's just there's, they're just a big market school. Oh, it's right? huge market schools. Huge. You know, and so it's just like, it, it shows, you know, the, the, the question that I have, like I kind of hinted at it with like the Arizona schools and like popularity with Big Ten programs, right? You know, I almost think that you would have more additional eyeballs if you had a Big Ten network with a footprint in Arizona of an ASU Wisconsin game than you would of an ASU USC game. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a weird math of where the, the eyeballs would come from. Right. And like, you look at, you know, who's, who's the next most desirable in the conference, it's, you know, maybe Oregon and Washington and like Oregon's not, you know, the biggest draw other than it, they got Phil Knight's money. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and Washington has, you know, Seattle and it's a, it's a nice university and it's a Seattle's a pretty big market, but like, you know, I don't, I don't, they're more of a brand than they are, um, than like a, 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 
a fan base that's going to bring in spend a lot of money because i mean just by pure pure passion i've seen it washington state fans pound for pound are lunatics but they're not going to bring any you know net revenue to anyone right um you know that i've i've been there and i've seen people drive five hours for every football game yeah yeah um but it's 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 the way of the way of the world today where we we should i for one welcome our new espn plus overlords <laughs> which is probably where we're going to end up being and you know what the saddest thing is adam like and I thought this when Pac-12 Network started. If 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 Larry Scott had just doubled down on his bet of wanting to own the rights, and they had just committed to all streaming and no TV distribution network, it would have they would have probably tripped up for a year or two, but made more money in the long run. Yeah, and it's just because if you think back to when that launched, like ten years ago or whatever it was, or I, I, time is a flat circle according to the the the, uh, the Twitter poll of my Pac-10 T-shirt, <laughs> whether it was from the the future of the past um but like if they had committed to that because now if, if you launched a, a network uh entirely with a streaming option you it's viable whereas it wasn't 10 years ago it was just yeah. a little too early but i think if they had made that bet i think they might have gotten there but here we are in, in arizona and and some of the other pac-12 or pac-10 schools i should say uh we go back to our almost maiden name i guess it started off as a eight pack you know what kind of thinking about this too is it shows you where your school ranks when it comes to the athletics right where when you a usc or a ucla and i'm sure they were a package deal like they're sought after like they were wanted the rest of the pac-10 or i guess it's pac-10 now for the moment they're just kind of left holding the bag. It's like, okay, well, they need to try to petition to get into other conferences. I saw like the Big 12 is a possibility. And I love all these conferences that are named after how many you know teams are a part of them, and that's going to just change everything. <laughs> Unless they just the want to like, be the Big 12 and have like 20 teams. Like, I'm here for that too. Like, why not? But Absolute chaos, Adam. Yeah, and I try to think of like where Arizona fits. You know, which markets is it good for Arizona to get into? And the Big 12 markets aren't bad. You got some in Texas, right? You got that area. That's a good market for Arizona. But you don't have the California market. And I forget someone I read tweet or wrote a quick story about it. It's like Arizona gets a lot of players, obviously, from California. They've been going into the California, especially Jed Fish, and grabbing talent. Well, those kids aren't going to go home and play. They're not going to go and play at USC, at UCLA. I mean, yeah, they could go to Stanford, I guess, in theory. But no one goes there to watch those games. So, like what Arizona is doing. And I, I do trust Jed Fish and his staff to be able to adapt to whatever their new reality is going to be. But it doesn't help when you lose the LA market just for the recruiting purposes, even probably for basketball. Arizona's always gotten a lot of players or historically has gone to California. Why not? Well, those kids like being able to play at home at least once in a season. And they're not gonna be able to do that if they go to Arizona. So it's really interesting to see what happens here with that. But depending on where Arizona ends up, like you hope they just find some markets that, can bring them talent too. Like there's value in having Arizona. And I mean, I'm sure there's some value in having ASU as well. But when you have Arizona basketball, which obviously men's and women's basketball are elite programs right now, two of the best, in the, you know, some of the best in the country in their respective sports and their leagues. Football, obviously that's the big one in Arizona. Like you mentioned, Brett, it's just not there yet. And there's no guarantee that they will get there. So if Arizona goes out this season and wins five, six games and keeps recruiting at a high level, then all of a sudden they look a more, a more attractive for another conference. But at this exact moment, Arizona has to sell these conferences on them rather than the other way around. Yeah, and I think I think Arizona can make a pretty good pitch there. And they could say, hey, we're the closest ones to make travel burden a little easier on the L.A. schools if you bring us with you, right? You can, you know, that's another thing that's not really discussed that much here, which, of course, uh, spare me your student-athlete arguments because you're going to have 
kids going from LA to New Jersey for, for traveling for a game when they're going to Rutgers um, in a couple of years for a conference game, you know, it, it's all nonsense. I think, you know, I think that's the best case scenario for Arizona. If they can make that pitch and bluntly, they'll probably have to, you know, know their value and I, I E take less revenue. So you think, to get in the you power think conference. they should go to the, they, they're a big 10 team. That's where you want them to end up following the LA schools out there, but take less. I, that's what you think is ideal. I think that's the best case scenario for them because I think you keep the recruiting open with the LA schools uh, for football. I think men's the men's basketball program and even the women's basketball program with Adia Barnes at the helm will be successful no matter what. You won't have as much just, you know, you're going to be running into a lot tougher teams. But if you want to play with if you play with the big boys, you got to play with the big boys, right? I think you can do it. Uh, ideally, maybe maybe it becomes a super super conference. Like maybe it becomes twenty a twenty team conference. There's the West and East, right? Mm. Um, you know, I think the Big Twelve is probably the next best possible uh, landing spot, and that basketball conference would be hella good if you had the the you know Arizona, Colorado, Utah, ASU. I mean, ASU has nothing in basketball particularly, but mm. you know, it'd be. I think that's the next best. Um, I think it's going to be a little bit chaos for, you know, if you're a recruit in football in Southern California, like <laughs> your family's going to get to go to home games. And that's about it for most of those, for most of those games. Otherwise it can be a long way. Uh, you know, if you're Arizona, if you go to the big, the big 12, you can, you can start to recruit a little more in Texas, which is a challenge. But if you're also going to be playing in front of these Texas schools, maybe it helps. Yeah. You know, I, I think both of those are more viable than trying to see what the pac 12 can hold together. I, add. I think that's it right there. Uh, and we we don't know what kind of position of – I don't know if Arizona is in a position of strength. I really don't. Like I hope they have some leverage with these conferences. But may, I don't know if like even the Big 12 is thinking of expanding even more. I know they were looking to add a couple of teams because they're losing some of the SEC. But like where do they want to go? Like They could have their pick of the Pac-12 schools, I guess. You know, And I don't think Arizona is at the top of the list of the Pac-12, the remaining Pac-12 teams and programs. But – You'd hope that they have a little bit to bring to the table and say, you know what, this is what we can add to your conference because yeah, I don't think being a part of what's left of the Pac-12 is, I don't think it's going to be good. Especially like you mentioned, like the LA schools. Yeah, obviously Arizona can go play at you know Cal, go to Berkeley and play there at Stanford right now, but those aren't those aren't big games, you know. <laughs> Even in basketball, like we get so excited for the UCLA matchup. And USC's been a good matchup too of the last few years. Their program has been solid. Like obviously, yeah, we get excited for Oregon and the win against ASU. Like we always get excited for those, but losing that hurts and replacing it with whatever the PAC 12 could just doesn't, that doesn't do much for me. And it does seem like even if you get there, even if Arizona says, you know, we're going to stick this out, whatever the pack is three years from now, four years from now, like you're not going to be that highly regarded of a conference. Like you might be looked at as like a mid major type of thing, right? Like Arizona is just, okay, they're always winning their conference. Great. You know, it's, now, is it better to be the big fish in the small pond compared to the, you know, smaller fish in the big pond? I don't know. I like winning, but I, I think if you're Arizona in terms of the financial benefit you get, you probably get it more from going to a different conference. You know, being just another team in the Big Ten or the Big Twelve, being part of those conferences, I think is a better option right now than trying to salvage the the Pac-12. But for student athletes, like that's not fun to travel. That'll go and be involved with that, but. I imagine if these conferences get big enough too, like the LA schools are a little bit tougher, even further west, but they could find a way to schedule things in a manner that's not as bad on travel. Yeah, I I think if if I'm Arizona, I'm saying I can make for some easy, you know, division or pod things in a Big Ten, you know, an expanded Big Ten with the LA schools. 
I'm showing that I have an up-and-coming football program, a top-tier basketball program. All the other sports are great. ASU's got a, you know, you know ASU is ASU, but they've got a lot of eyeballs. They hand out, you know, uh, 70,000 degrees every year, so they got a large alumni base. Um, and I say, hey, I'll take, you know, a half share, and we'll reevaluate in five years or something like that, because I still think that's going to be better than, you know, latching onto the rotting corpse of the Pac-10. Um, and I... You know, I my my fear is that increasingly likely is that the Pac-10 just tries to hold everybody together because nobody knows what to do. There's a lot of moving parts, and people mm-hmm. will just freeze. And also, the most Pac-10 thing is to just stand pat and like do some, you know, not moving the needle edition of like San Diego State or something like that. Yeah. Um. And like, I if that's the case, I think Arizona is better off to to try to move. Yeah, because you want to take have some control over this if you're Arizona. You don't want to be left with just like, what, well, now what? Which is kind of what the rest of the conference is because they are losing two of the bigger programs in the Pac-12. So you're just left figuring it out, and we'll see, I guess, like to kind of put a bow on this. We'll see where Arizona, and by the way, I don't think they're leaving ASU. I don't think the Arizona Board of Regents would allow that. So I think yeah. they're going to be tied together. So we'll see what kind of leverage they have, how they're viewed on a national scale. Because, yeah, to your point, like specific to Arizona, the Bessel programs are top-notch. We know that that's not going to be a tough sell for anyone. Football can be. So does the rest of the country look at it and say, okay, Jed Fish knows what he's doing. He's got something good going on there. Or do they see Arizona as a team that's won a game over the last couple of seasons and is projected to win like two and a half this season, right? <laughs> like, like what program are they two years from now, three years from now? Because if Arizona football gets back to, I don't, I don't want to say back to a level because they've never been, not recently, but even like the Rich Rodriguez are where they're making a bowl game every year, which, you know, week scheduling in the Pac-12 probably helped. But if they get to a level where they're winning six to eight games most seasons in football, you add that to basketball programs and all the Olympic sports and everything else that are highly successful, then, yeah, you have something that should be appealing to the Big 12 or the Big 10, you know? Or, hey, we want BAM. Let's go to the SEC. I don't care. <laughs> but, but I want to see where Arizona and the Arizona schools are ranked in terms of like how they're thought of by these other conferences because we, of course, like Arizona and we know about ASU. But what does the rest of the country think of these universities for being member schools of their conference? I'd be curious. I'm curious to see. If I, if I was Bobby Robbins, Adam, I would uh, send Arizona's best recruiter to uh, do the sales pitch of Arizona, send Jed Fish to whatever, you know, board or group of uh, comp, uh, university presidents and make the pitch for Arizona. Is this is like tired is the Big Ten, you know, recruits Arizona, like, you know, commits to or the big, the tired is Arizona commits to the Big Ten. Wired is, you know, the Big Ten commits to Arizona kind of thing. I totally sure. butchered that. Yeah. That was great. I should not have even tried. The, the, the delivery kind of uh, it was lacking. Made, <laughs> made that land like a, a Pac-12 uh, statement. <laughs> um, oh. well, I guess one, one, one question for you, Adam, I, and we, we sent out a mailbag, so I want to get you to answer this to maybe wrap this up uh, from your perspective. From Peter Mendoza at PDJM11, he asked, what is the future for Arizona athletics? Does Arizona survive after all the conference pieces have moved, or is AZ left out? I, I think Arizona survives. But it's also relative. Arizona basketball is an institution. It's not going to go anywhere. The footprint is not even just Pac-12. It's the entire world. So <laughs> I'm not worried about basketball at all. And football, that, that one does worry me to an extent because a lot of the inroads Arizona has made recently are in California. And I'm, not, I'm curious to see how losing the L.A. schools as part of your scheduling will impact that. So if 
I mean, if they can, if they move to the Big Twelve or the Big Ten and gain a new footprint, then cool. But if they're still in the Pac-12 or what the, the riding corps of the Pacific Conference without the LA schools, and yeah, I'm not as optimistic for football to really to rebound because I, I mean, think of the Servite guys. You know, the Juice County. Are they all going to Arizona if they don't get a chance to go back home and play? You know, every year I don't, I don't know. That's a much tougher sell. Well, but T Mac was going to Oregon and he wouldn't be at a conference game back in LA now either. <laughs> Occasionally. Um, you know, it's it's kind of craziness. Uh you know, I think I think we'll 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 see what happens. I think I don't think Arizona is in the worst position of all no. of the pack ten schools remaining. In fact I think they are in the upper half in terms of what they can sell. Um, you know, if I was Wazoo or Oregon State, I'd be uh, you know, making winking Sending wink emojis I think to Cal the, Stanford right now. Oof. I mean, like academics, great, and there's money there, sure, but well, fan I, support's not there. And, <laughs> and I saw I saw one reporting that the Big Ten was more interested in Stanford with Notre Dame than like Washington or Oregon. Even I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> That's reputations, right? Stanford is still Stanford. I guess they're just trying to bring the most Big Ten football program to the Big Ten. And right. that's out of the Pac-10. And you got Colorado and Utah. No one, I mean, that, those are tough. Like, yeah, I, I, thinking about it that way, think if you think of the two-by-two two pods, right? Okay, package deals, you know, Washington, Washington State, Oregon, Oregon State, Cal, Stanford, Colorado, Utah, Arizona, ASU. Arizona, ASU might be the most appealing. I, I think so. Just because, like, Oregon might be the most of all of them, but they come with Oregon State. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if you look at a package deal, maybe the Arizona schools are the most attractive. Well, and, and that's where I think if you look at the state of Arizona for the the Big Ten roots, like, you know, what percentage of Arizona's population in general goes back a generation or two, uh, you know, Michigan, Wisconsin, Ohio, like, that's probably two-thirds of the people in Arizona right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Myself included. <laughs> um, but, you know, we'll see. If I, if, like I said, put put head coach Jed Fish on the on a plane and make the sales pitch, um, and say it's it's personal. Please let me in. <laughs> we'll take less money. <sighs> Man, buckle up. Like I said earlier, like it's going to be really interesting. You think it's going to have, it's going to probably have to move in quickly too. Like they're not going to be able to sit on this. Whatever Arizona is going to do, that's going to come out very soon. I think they have to make some sort of declaration, like either going to a new conference or they're going to come out and say we are going to stick with the Pacific Conference and we're going to rebuild this thing and keep it going. Like one way or the other, you have to have something soon. You can't wait. I I I think I agree with that. I think though, my fear is that if I if I my fear is that the Pac-10 is a conference now thinks that they can wait it out, <laughs> which is frightening just because that's the most Pac-10 thing. But on the on a plus side, Adam, in a few years, we'll never have to do a hashtag Pac-12 refs complaint tweet ever again because they won't exist. Well, watch them get like San Diego State and I don't know Boise State or someone, you know, and now it's still twelve again. I mean, we—that is, I guess, a possibility. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But Brett, let's take a break and we come back. Arizona men's basketball had a few players get drafted, and what does that say about the program's future? We'll talk about it. Welcome back. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0, and the NBA draft used to be. Well, it was an Arizona Wildcats showcase. We got used to seeing guys, lottery picks, first-round picks from the Arizona Wildcats, and we're back to that this year. Ben Matherin, number six overall to Indiana. 
Then you had Dalen Terry taken by the Bulls. And Kristen Coloco was in the second round, but a high second round pick by the Toronto Raptors. Three players all within the top 33. That's not bad for Arizona. It's not unexpected either because like we knew Matherin was going to be a high pick. And we knew when Terry decided to stay in the draft that he was going to be a first round pick. And I think everyone did about as well as they could have been expecting. I kind of like the landing spots for each of them too. Yeah, I mean, it's again, it's going to be something that just helps Coach Tommy Lloyd on the recruiting trail to say, look what, look what I can do with a little bit of time in my system. Like, would you have thought Dale and Terry was going to be a mid-first-round pick, really, uh, this year, uh, going into the last season? Probably not. And not even when the season ended, yeah. but, <laughs> like, if I'm being well, honest. But it's, it's also not surprising he had great workouts and impressed teams. Yeah, I think he's a guy where his floor is so low or, or so high that like, and he still has some pretty good ceiling that it, it's, he's a guy that, and he's got such a good attitude. I think a team feels comfortable with, you know, adding him to roster. And I think the bulls are going to be a good fit for him. It's awesome to see Ben Benedict Mathering get drafted so high. And also just, you know, smack talking LeBron saying LeBron has to prove to him that he's better, which I kind of appreciate that. No, little... You know, I saw that quick, that, that quote going around on Twitter and it seemed like the people are most upset were ASU fans. And I'm like, yeah, well, maybe when you have a guy who's drafted, you know, the best player in your history is James Harden, and he is kind of not a big deal anymore. So, sorry. like uh, James Harden was always a great half of a basketball player, on the offensive half, that is. He's half of a basketball player, but he's also like three basketball players into one, usually. So, it's kind of the weird dichotomy that is James Harden. But now, like, why don't you want guys to be confident? Like Ben Mas going say, I'm looking forward to playing him. I think I'm the best player out there, which obviously he's not. But like, also it's easier to talk smack to a thirty eight year old LeBron than a twenty four year old LeBron. <laughs> but like, like I'd rather have guys like that and like especially high lottery picks and people come and say, Well, God, I'm afraid to play that guy. He's so good. Like, what do you want these guys to say? So that was a non story that was more fun, but also like he was the number six pick in the draft and even a year ago that wasn't projected either. You know, he's another guy who just keeps getting better or who got better under Tommy Lloyd. All three of these guys did. All three of these guys got picked in when way higher than we would have expected, certainly before last season. Like it, this is such a good thing for the program for Tommy Lloyd. Totally. And I, I, I'm actually a little surprised that Coloco fell out of the first round. Um, you know, what, the 33rd pick, so barely out of the first round. But I think that's more a reflection of the de- devaluing of centers in mm-hmm. the modern NBA than anything else. Because I think Christian Coloco of even five, ten years ago would have at, yeah, at the, after the season he had gone higher, but it's all it's all positive for the for the program. It's I it shows that like to your point, it shows the development of each of them. Man, the Pacers are going to look that that roster looks like it's going to be fun. I don't know if they're going to be good, but it looks like it's going to be fun. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, and so and I think Coloco's got a, got a nice fit with the Raptors. I I selfishly wanted the Suns to maybe buy a second round pick when it was when he was falling there because I think he'd be a nice piece to try to develop but yeah because the Suns are so good at developing and keeping centers that is especially those from Arizona that are talented that's that's a whole nother story but yeah recording this on the 4th of July this by the time this comes out DeAndre Ayton may no longer be on the Phoenix Suns roster but no it's I you know I, it's hard to think of this draft as anything but a smashing success for the program. Um, I mean, three guys in the top 33 is insane, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, that's that's classic loot year era, like, teams. Um, and there's still plenty of talent left on this roster. I don't know if there's as many surefire NBA guys like Ben Matherin was and Dale and Terry became. 
but there's still plenty of talent, and it's going to make it easier to attract that talent. Well, that's uh, going you forward. say you say like they became right, and that's that's the selling pitch. That's the sales pitch for Tommy Lloyd to totally. say, like, yeah, these guys are talented, and he didn't recruit them, right? Like these were Sean Miller recruits, but he helped develop them into players that the NBA wanted. The NBA was like, yeah, we want those skill sets. And like, even when watching the draft, Ben Matherin's picked. And I think it was like, Jay Bill's like, yeah, you know, this and Tommy Lloyd did this, or Tommy Lloyd did that, or Tommy Lloyd said this about the guy. Like, that is huge for the program. And yeah, it happened for Sean Miller. We saw a lot of Arizona Wildcats get drafted by, you know, under Sean Miller. Even one of his last, we had Nico Mannion and Josh Green and Zeke Naji. Green and Naji were two, you know, one was a lottery pick and the other was mid-first round, kind of like where Dalen Terry was. So this isn't unheard of for Arizona, but the feeling is different because the skill sets that these guys have are the types that's the new NBA. And that's what I like about this. And also the fact that they're varied skill sets. One was a primary scorer, one was a facilitator, and one was a center. And all fit in a Tommy Lloyd offense in this system and got drafted. Hey, how do you not look at that and say, yep, oh, I'm... I could go to Arizona and do that too. You know, I could be a part of this team, win a lot of games, have fun and develop to the point where an NBA team wants me in the first round or like a Dale and Terry because he wasn't a projected first round pick when he entered the draft. He just entered the draft and we all said like, ah, might as well see where you stand. Go through the process and he's a first round pick. Yeah. Uh, and there's no way Tommy Lee didn't have anything to do with that in terms of like what he taught these guys, the type of system, the type of offense, what he demanded of these players and how they performed under him. So, it's Arizona, it's Tommy Lloyd on that stage for, yes, these players, they want to win, but they want to go to the NBA. They want to go play professionally. And Tommy Lloyd's showing that he can help get them there. Yeah, and I'm, I'm really curious to see in the next three, four years uh, what the trajectory is going to be for Ben Matherin. Because, like, you see all these reports. Like, I know I'm saying this about a guy who was a mid-lottery pick, right? So, you know, six overall. So, obviously, the NBA believes in him and his talent, right? Mm-hmm. But like most of the most of the evaluation of it is like, oh, he'll be like a nice three and D guy in the NBA. And I think, OK, sure. Mm-hmm. But I think he strikes me as, you know, I, the way he attacks on offense and his athleticism lead me to believe that he might be a guy that even outplays his draft position. But it might take a couple years, you know, kind of like. You know, Devin Booker was, what, the 13th pick in the draft that year? And it was like, oh, that's a nice player, but I'm not sure that, like, he was going to be a star. And now he's, you know, a two-contract Supermax guy. Yeah. I, I, I'm not calling my shot that Ben Matherin will develop that way, but I think his likelihood of exceeding expectations is actually is pretty considerate. Well, that's with him, too, because I think, I think of, like, Stanley Johnson, who I think was the fifth pick in his draft, and he did not pan out. Now, part of it's the organization they end up with. Like, he was with the Pistons, who were not a great organization at that time. They're probably still not, even though they seem to be getting slightly better. But just where Ben Matherin ended up, like, Indiana's not a... They usually are decent. They've had some struggles, but they've had players like it. Like, Victor Oladipo was great in Indiana, right? Like, they have a guy away with those guards, and he's just that talented. Like, we don't know if he, his ceiling is, like, if he's going to reach his ceiling and what that is. Is he a go-to scorer in the NBA level? Is he a catch-and-shoot guy? Is he a 3 and D wing? Like, he can do a lot of things, but we'll see what he peaks at. Dalen Terry will fit with the Bulls for sure, just because he would fit anywhere with that skill set. What he's he can a, he's do. a glue guy. Yeah, and of course, Christian Coloco, as a second-round pick, the pressure isn't really on him, but he's going to go out there and just do what he does. No one's going to expect him to be scoring 20 points a night. If he plays 15 minutes a night and you know, four or five points, four or five rebounds and a block or two in his minutes, he's doing his job. So hopefully these guys end up in situations on rosters that can help them 
because Arizona sent a lot of guys to the NBA. It's been a while since Arizona sent someone who just became a star, I think. Like, Aiden's probably the closest, and we just talked about he's probably going to be on his second team shortly, not even getting an extension on his rookie deal as a number one overall pick. So, you know, hopefully Matherin can help break that mold a little bit, break that, break the ceiling, break through and be like, hey, he's a star player. He's an all-star caliber player. Like, they need, they could use that. And if it's not Matherin, there's going to be others because, like you mentioned, there's plenty of talent on their roster. There's more talent coming in. So Arizona's not done sending guys to the NBA with this class. But... It would be nice to see more Arizona guys go on to the pros, like the NBA, because those other guys playing overseas are having great success. Parker Jackson Cartwright, they just won an MVP again. But you want to see these guys be stars at the NBA level, and Matherin certainly has the capability, like the potential to be just that. Yeah, I, th- I think I think that's that's right. Like you know, I I made the the D book comparison, and like, but even Devin Booker's been underappreciated by like not making All Star teams as a as a star. But even Booker, Suns. he wasn't a top six pick. Like Booker no. was the back end of the lottery, but as opposed to like the front half. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's the nature of the new NBA where the, the super super elite. It's just like, you know, it's a next level thing where people even draft essentially good role players in in the lottery, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I I I would not be surprised if if Ben Matherin is the next, you know, NBA all-star that comes out of Arizona, which it's not that easy to make an all-star roster, but it might take a couple of years to get there. Yeah. So we'll see. It, I, 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 I'm optimistic. Yeah. yeah well, that, they still have TJ McConnell over there in Indiana, I think. So assuming that's greatest, the case, I think they kept him around. Ever. Huh? The greatest point guard ever. Yes, absolutely. So as long as he's there, I think, you know, I think uh, Ben will be fine. <laughs> also, you speaking of T.J. McConnell, you mentioned Stanley Johnson. One of the one of the reasons why Stanley Johnson probably didn't pan out. All I could think of when I think of Stanley Johnson is T.J. McConnell on live TV under the basket, yelling at Stanley to pay attention and shut up, <laughs> because Stanley had some immaturity issues at times. <laughs> yeah, well, he's he's back in the league. I think he's with the Lakers. Stanley Johnson, like he yeah. caught on with them. So obviously, wishing him and all the players, anybody that goes pro from Arizona, I wish them best of luck. But this class specifically, it's. It's hard to say Tommy Lloyd's first because, yes, they played for him, but they weren't recruited by him. But either way, he had an imprint on them, and he had an impact on just them getting drafted where they did. So hopefully that's a sign to other recruits and other players that Arizona – everything was like that, right? We talked about when Tommy Lloyd, when they have proof of concept, when they started playing games and the system worked and they won games and they scored points, how that would be appealing. It was just another thing. It's another check mark. Like, yep, sent guys to the NBA. Uh, at this point, there's really not much I think Tommy Lloyd has to prove to anyone at least people like us. <laughs> I, yeah. I guess he has to have his own, his own full recruiting classes or the roster is all Tommy Lloyd guys, but we're almost there now. And also he had to re-recruit these guys. So it's not like he has nothing to do with this roster, but just every box just keeps getting checked by the coach who's going into his second season with some really high expectations, again, like, which he didn't have last year, but they're there now. But I'm, I'm confident he can make good on most of them. I agree. So... <laughs> Brett, let's take one more break, and we come back. Softball has lost some players. Football has gained more players, and we'll finish up our mailbag. Welcome back, Wildcat Radio 2.0. Brett, Arizona softball had a magical run to the World Series. Caitlin Lowe's first season in charge. We're like, all right, things are, you know, the regular season wasn't great, but they got hot. She showed she could do this. And this got to mean how many people are going to want to come play for Arizona again now that they know it's okay to be there. And then the transfer portal struck. Uh, just this week, Charlize Palacios and Janelle Mignogno entered the portal, two key players for Arizona's team. And you don't like to see it, but it's also, I guess, the nature of college athletics these days. 
Yeah, it's it's funny because if if you if you see some of the other players like Ali Skaggs and a few others on the Twitter machine were, uh, you know, subtweeting maybe or reaffirming their commitment, a la Daniel Susak last year. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you know, I mean, there was times during the last season where it sounded like there was some some strife, shall we say, and some struggles internally, and maybe this is the the end result of that with the those couple players leaving. But at the same time, if you're if you're Caitlin Lowe, you, you know. The recruiting class you have, your existing roster, there's talent to fill those spots at the ready, yeah. um, either either already on the roster or or coming in. Um, you know, it's not good to lose two players that were good players. Uh, the, the, I think the bigger question for the softball team is, I think last I think last I saw, they were down to like 13 players on the roster. Um, you know, you need you need to have some more. You know, they need to get some pitchers. They need to get some more depth. Uh, you know they need. They, if you're counting on true freshmen, it's going to be you know a question mark. Uh, if they're expecting them to come in and contribute right away, so I think Arizona is going to have to. You know the the transfer portal taketh, uh, but it can also giveth, and hopefully Caitlin Lowe can kind of ride the 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 postseason run to to add there. But it's it's kind of one of those things where I think it's it, it's eyebrow raising and kind of sucks. But I don't know if it's time to hit the panic button. Right, and probably not time to hit the panic button because to your point, they have. A great recruiting class coming in. There's more talent still in the roster. The players we saw that were reaffirming that, yeah, they're sticking around. They're not going anywhere. And that's what you want. You want people who want to be there. And everyone has their own reasons for transferring. And if these two that left, if more players who leave, they feel like their best, like their future belongs elsewhere, then go for it. Like, I don't begrudge anyone for doing what's best for them. These are college athletes that get one shot at this. So, you know, make the most of it. If it's not in Tucson, best of luck to you. But the one thing I do wonder, too, is for Caitlin Loeb, I kind of think back to like with women's basketball now, whenever there's a transfer, it's like, oh, that's a bummer. But you realize there's a great recruiting class coming in, like they're transferring because they're not going to find minutes on the floor. But Adia Barnes, I don't, she would have been, I think if she had her way, she would have been in the final four championship game in her first year. But she kind of built the program up, right? She kind of, they weren't very good. They got a little better, a little better, a little better. Now they're at a point where the expectations are not only there, but they're warranted. Caitlin Lowe took a team that wasn't great, got them to the World Series. They lost. But those expectations, like the honeymoon period, is like, well, now you got to be at that every year. Like this is Arizona softball. There's no reason not to be back next year, right? Like that's going to make this a little bit tougher for her because, yes, they there's the pressure to get. Well, they only have 13 players on the roster. They need more players, but you got to make sure they're good players. You got to keep bringing in talent because you're not going to have that. Oh well, you know, a couple players left. And it's only her second year. Like by making the College World Series in year one, I think like it's not fair. But that's kind of what happens is we're like, okay, same thing with Tommy Lloyd in basketball. It's like, oh, you did that? All right, that's the standard. You set it. Yeah, I, I, think, that's, I think that's right. I think that's, you know, fair or unfair, it's reality to Caitlin Lowe, right? Um, you know, and Jay Johnson had early success and then, you know, took maybe a step back for a year or two, but then maintained and, mm-hmm. and built that for and, until, you know, this program he built, he packaged up and moved to southern louisiana (laughs) um you know but i i think i have i have seen enough um from caitlin lowe to give her the benefit of the doubt uh to kind of be able to handle those expectations and handle that pressure and basically plug the holes in the roster i mean right now like that's just got to be job job one which shouldn't be that hard after just having this this you know you know this nice run on, on national tv nonetheless you think so you know, check back in a couple months, and if there's been no additions via the the portal, then maybe it's uh you know start kind of 
rocking back and forth and get a little nervous. Um, but I'm not too worried about it now. But it's at least uh, you know there's no red flags, but there's maybe a little yellow flag. <laughs> yeah, well, it's also. But I go back to what I said earlier: is that it's probably the nature of college athletics. Like we know that we laugh when it happens to ASU when they lose everybody, but no one is immune to this stuff. You know, it's what made what Jed Fish did with the football program, at least this season, so impressive that they didn't really lose any key guys to the portal, right? Like, totally. when you have players like, you know, softball, they're all going to be really good players. They're all going to be really sought out there by other programs, and they're going to have opportunities to go play somewhere else. So they think they're going to get more innings or more playing time somewhere else, and they should go. But that's just how it is. So you hope that every year is, like, it's hard to build because every year this can happen. It's not like, oh, you get them in the program, and then they're going to graduate in three or four years, and then you lose them. It's like, you could lose them after any season. And that's what makes this so interesting. But I'm for player movement. Like, I think they should be able to do whatever they want. So like, I'm not against the transfer portal. People are like, oh, it's ruining college athletics. Not really. Like, giving the no. players some power over their lives and their situations is ruining the game. Well, then the game sucks. So like, I'm <laughs> fine with players taking advantage of this. I'm sure some make mistakes, as always. But it's an option. If you think it's the best thing for you, take it. So when it happens to Arizona, yeah, that's a bummer. But it's not necessarily cause for alarm. Because, yeah, if Arizona was bad this year, or if there are reports about Caitlin Lowe grading on her players, they didn't really like something or this or that, you know, John Makovic style, like from our time in yeah. Tucson, then you go, oh, that's that's a bad sign if this is the case. I imagine the transporter was a thing back then. Like, oh, boy. So, like, that's <laughs> in an era of the portal, no one transferring would be weird. A few players transferring is just the way it goes. Like, that's going to happen, and there's really nothing you can do about it, especially if you're bringing in more talent. You know, that's why Idea Barnes well, is losing players because they're like, I'm not going to get to play here, so I'm going to go somewhere else where I can. Hopefully, the same thing is going to happen with softball and Caitlin Lowe. Yeah, and I think I think you know, there's some analogies even to Idea Barnes where they've lost some players to the transfer portal, um, and maybe some maybe some things were made too much of like some tweets that players sent out, or they weren't happy, they weren't going to see playing time. But Idea Barnes, you know, it's been adding talent left and right where. I have no concerns about even losing players that we like, like Ben Duyaney, right? Like it's, it's a, it's something that naturally happens. And I think similar to Adia Barnes, there's plenty of people on the roster today. Like I mentioned, like Ali Skaggs and some mm-hmm. of the other, the ladies on the team that are clearly bought in and voicing that loudly. That shows me it's not, you know, it's not a, uh, they don't believe, you know, there's not a, there's, there's not a lack of believers in the clubhouse. Right. right? And if you, you know, if you have that, and, you know, it's who's for us to say on the outside, you know, what's the right choice for for the two ladies that went into the portal, uh, you know, and I I, I guess it, seeing that defense from your All-American like Ali Skaggs tells me we're going to be OK. Yeah. And that, that's what you want to see. Also, things you like to see Arizona football is recruiting. It, it never stops. I know they're a 2023 class and we kind of the Kevin's know these guys have signed yet. So anything can happen. Right now, they have a number 31 overall class by 247 Sports. And I forget where they are on rivals. But Arizona football added some more guys over the last couple of weeks. I mean, going down the list, Jackson Holman, a three-star wide receiver from California. Uh, Sean Brown, a three-star California safety. Um, another Savanea uh, from Hawaii. Another Big Jonas, only he's probably little Jonah right now. Or little little Julian, rather. Like... <laughs> Well, he's probably still big. Who am I kidding? He's a defensive end. You know, <laughs> another California Solomon. There's an earlier discussion, too, about the Pac-12 leaving California or losing the L.A. schools. There's a lot of players from California running back Brandon Johnson from California. <laughs> yeah. No, there's a 
there's a lot to like in the guys that have committed, whether through upside or just, you know, raw talent, um, potentially, right? Like, the um, Brandon Johnson, I don't know if you got, did you get a chance to see some of the workout videos that he, he had posted on Twitter, Adam? Like, I try not to watch anyone's workout videos. They just make me feel bad about myself, so no. Well, so you're saying you haven't watched all those videos I've sent of me bench pressing a lot of weight? <laughs> no. Okay. I'll let you, I'll let you keep that one. <laughs> um, you know, like there's a, a few guys here that aren't necessarily like, uh, you know, they're not the team acts in the, in the recruiting world, but they're players that if the reports are to be believed, the coaches really like a lot. And like, um, Brandon Johnson is one of those guys where I think he maybe grew a little late, but you could watch these workout videos. It's like low budget workouts. And you could just see that guy has, is, there's a there's a motivated edge to him that you want to see out of a young, especially running back, right? Mm-hmm. Where you know you can see that video and be like, oh, I I could see why they like this kid. <laughs> like, and there's you know getting little Julian to go with Big Jonah, you know, awesome, right? Let's let's lock down the the you know the poly players uh, that pipeline, keep it going, and even some of the the the, the guys that are more. Um, you know they could be they could be uh, receiver types. They could be in the secondary. Uh, let's give a shout out to Dwayne Walker, who's getting a lot of these guys to come commit oh, yeah. and learn from him. There's some guys on there that I think are maybe going to be sneaky. You know, good. Um, you know, Solomon Davis, I think, is one of the ones that's he's he's got the frame to potentially be a really really big impact player. Sean Brown, similarly. Um, you know, there's not necessarily the pure star power, but this is the kind of those foundational things in a class that you want to have and now hopefully you know there's what three or four silent commits based on the the dancing cactus uh tweets out there with maybe some big names and big bodies that are expected to be at least one or two of those but things keep going well for jed fish and crew yeah also since we last potted arizona picked up a transfer uh, from florida state running back dj williams which didn't really feel like a position in need but then again when you win a game you probably need help at every position. So I don't mind just adding talent to the roster because we know from a couple of years ago this was not a talented roster. And going into the 2022 season now, things look better. <laughs> every, every, every player that's been added through either the true freshman or the transfer portal, like getting a new running back, I think Jed Fish is, um, shall we say, unsatisfied with the red zone performance last year. <laughs> And rightfully so, because Arizona moved the ball effectively. I think there were, I don't know if you saw that thing where they had the most yards with the fewest wins, <laughs> and it was like, is Arizona the greatest one one team ever? Well, that was kind of we go back Jed Fish's offense, and I think he started to get a feel for his roster too halfway through the season. Like the play calling was like, oh, they didn't like a play that was called, but overall, they were moving the ball with better players. You kind of feel like, oh, they'll move the ball and put it in the end zone, and that's what they're doing here, right? And you mentioned too for the commitments. Some of these guys are probably going to be better than their ratings because that's what you get. You get projectable talent. You bring them into your program. You have them work out. You coach them up, and all of a sudden, they're impact players. Like, that happens. You think, like, Scooby Wright, who had a pick six to help win the USFL title, right? He was not a guy that was highly regarded, got to the program, and very much outperformed any expectation anyone had from going to college. And there's got to be some of those guys in this class. There's always going to be guys who are like, oh, that player turned out to be pretty dang good, you know? And we don't know which ones they are. But you get enough of these players who have that upside, you bring them into the program, and then see what happens. And, yeah, you hope that 
if this is the, I don't want to say underbelly, because some of these guys are going to be impact guys. Like, they wanted them. It's not like they're just recruiting to fill spots. Like, these are players they wanted, they went out and got. But, yeah, if it does give you the ability to then focus their last few scholarships on some of those big picture, or some of those four stars, some of those T-Mac types where if they don't get them, all right, you still have a pretty good recruiting class. But if you do get them, now you have a top 25 recruiting class. That's what it seems like they're doing. And similar to last year, I'm just going to stress all season long about keeping these guys. <laughs> like, like I, it's, we're talking in July of football seasons, you know, a couple months away here, but it's kind of a, uh, like they do need to win. They do need to show that they can win. They can put points on the board. They can be competitive. And I think they were competitive enough last season. And that's why they were able to hold this class together. Mm-hmm. But sooner or later, it's okay. Getting these commitments is great. Getting them to sign is even better. And if you're going to get to that second step, you got to start winning. Yeah. It, uh, Jed Fish and crew would do well to beat future Pac-12 powerhouse San Diego State in week one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I don't know if I want, now that you said mentioned that, I don't know if I want San Diego State in the conference. <laughs> Basketball games are usually pretty good with them, actually. They've always been competitive. Like some of the best of the Sean Miller years, it seems like they're always running into San Diego State in the tournament, and those were good games. Like San Diego State's, like, when it comes to basketball and football and just athletically in general, I think is, a, you know, a respectable program, Yeah. right? but not going to move the needle in, in excitement or, or money necessarily. No, no, probably not. Well, well, Brett, we sent out a mailbag question, right, this week to our Wildcat Radio uh, listeners. At Wildcat Radio AZ is a Twitter account, of course. Follow us and tweet to us whenever you have a question. But we sent out a mailbag. We answered one of the questions earlier as part of our what's left of the Pacific Conference conversation. I think we got a little bit more, though, right? Yeah, we got another one from uh, W. Dan at Winston underscore Dan. How, and it's an Arizona-adjacent question. Okay. Um, it is, how many games will Sean Miller be suspended for his upcoming season with Xavier? One, five, ten? Oh, that's so tough. I mean, probably closer to ten than one. But it wouldn't shock me if they had him like for the entire non-conference or for like the first half of the season. Like, they got to do something with him, right? Like... He's got a job again. That's fine. I have no problem with Sean Miller. I wish him luck at Xavier because I think Arizona's doing fine. I think they did well without him. And I think Sean Miller did a lot of good things at Arizona. But if you're going to punish Arizona, and that's probably going to happen at some point, right? In some way, there's no way Sean Miller doesn't get a suspension of some kind. And it's probably double-digit games just for the perception. You have to. You Man, double-digit would it seems like a lot, though, for something where there's not any actual hard evidence. I'm trying to think of other coaches who have been suspended for an amount of time. Like, wasn't Bruce Pearl suspended for a little bit one time or something? Or mm-hmm. coaching? I think it's usually like double digits when it's something like this. Yeah, I'm. It's. it's I'm. I'm struggling to remember. And I, you know, does Sean Miller get credit for uh, the self-imposed suspension of that Oregon game after the ESPN story <laughs> happened? Um, you know, I. I don't know. I I feel like it's going to be not that much, but it's the NCAA. So you could say zero, you could say 20 games or anywhere in between, and I would believe you. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with... Um, I'm going to go with a five-game suspension, Adam. Okay, you think five. I'm closer to... T- I'm double digits. Okay. Um, actually, I'm going to spin this question for something for you, Brett. How should Arizona fans feel about Sean Miller, do you think? Like now he's back coaching. He's on a sideline. He's not an Arizona rival or anything, although one of Arizona's last really good teams got beat by Xavier. That was awful. But like, how should everyone feel about the former coach? 
Good question, Adam. Oh, I tell you. you. you I should have tweeted to at Wildcat Radio AZ, but then I would have had to answer it, too. You know how I feel about the the bipolar nature of Sean Miller fans and fanboys and the Sean Miller haters. Uh, To answer your question, I think it's very simple. I think Arizona fans should be appreciative of Sean Miller. Because if you if you go back in time, uh, there was the, the Arizona program that we all think is inevitable was not that before he came in and studied the ship mm-hmm. and had a really successful run and was you know a couple of buckets away from making Final Fours that I maintain that if one of those shots had gone in they made a Final Four I think he still is coaching here, um, you know whether you whether you loved him or whether you hated him he helped keep and build the, the, you know, Arizona program at the level it is today. So I think Arizona fans should just be respectful and appreciative of Sean Miller, even if you don't like, you know, the sanctions that are coming. I, I think that's fair um, because I, we've talked about this. I've written about it before. There's no way Sean Miller didn't know what was going on. Like, I, I'll, yeah, there's no way he didn't know. <laughs> like, not a micromanager like him, like, whether were there payments to players other than what Buck Richards said was, you know, he did for transcripts. I think I, I don't imagine Sean was directly tied in. He's not that stupid. Right. But I don't believe for a second that he didn't know what was going on, but I also don't believe for a second that it wasn't a thing just all over college basketball. Like if they wanted to compete at the level they were, that's just how the game was played. Arizona was not alone in doing that stuff. Just Arizona was one of the few teams that got caught in some capacity, right? That Book Richardson has paid for it. He was in jail. I was reading a thing. I think it was in the athletic about Book Richardson, really good piece about him and what he's gone through. But yeah, I don't have any bitterness towards Sean Miller. In part, I think because Tommy Lloyd came in and seems to be a great fit. Like if Arizona moved on from Miller and the program was just in shambles, you'd be like, oh wow, he just torpedoed this program on his way out. He didn't do that. It doesn't seem to be the case anyway. He brought in a talented roster and then Tommy Lloyd is able to succeed him with that roster and make something of it where Arizona basketball is still there. Like, this wasn't uh, Sean Miller ruined the program, buried the program, they can never recover. Like, what we might see from ASU football with Herm Edwards. And, you know, <laughs> it doesn't seem to be the case for Arizona basketball, which I think makes it easier to, I don't want to say forgive Sean Miller, but accept what he did and respect what he did for the program. Because to your point, Brett, if he doesn't come in, if Arizona hires Tim Floyd to replace Lute Olsen, Ugh. yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? It wasn't a given that Arizona was going to get a high-level coach. We thought, oh, it's Arizona. Of course they will. They were not. <laughs> like there was yeah. nothing said. I think it was supposed to be Calipari, and then the Kentucky job opened up. After that, it was like, okay, what are they going to do? And if they got the wrong coach at that time, Arizona basketball could have fallen into some sort of abyss. Like they weren't inevitable, but they get Sean Miller, and in year two, he brings him to the Elite Eight and has Derek Williams. And all of a sudden, Arizona basketball is back, and even without Sean Miller, Arizona basketball is still there. So, how could you be upset for Sean Miller for keeping Arizona afloat, probably elevating Arizona to an extent? Through an era that, yeah, I mean, it was hard. So I wish him luck at Xavier. And if Arizona plays him in the tournament, I hope Arizona kicks the crap out of him. But endorsed. But otherwise, I have no ill will. I'm not rooting for him to fail. I'm not rooting for him. I'm not rooting for a 10-game suspension. I'm just thinking that's what's going to happen. I'm rooting for just everyone to be able to move on. (laughs) And that includes Arizona fans with any feelings towards Sean Miller. I fully appreciate and endorse that sentiment. (laughs) Oh, wow. We should end the show there. That's... Uh, the high mark we, for me. Yeah, we. Uh, well, Adam, sometimes we uh, we tend to be the the anti hot take podcast where we just be <laughs> like, "Hey, what a reasonable point you have, sir." I will slightly disagree and quibble with one piece. But right, well, 
even though if he had come out and said, oh, Arizona did this, Arizona did that, he hasn't said anything negative about Arizona. He's been respectful. I guess him and Tommy Lloyd have conversations. Like, he was open yeah. to, like, so why, and of course, when Arizona's players were drafted, Sean Miller was excited for them. Granted, it's because selfish motives, too. It's like, I recruited those guys, so look, you know, I find talent. That's good for his brand. But he was very respectful of Arizona. He did this podcast, I remember, last season. He was always talking up Arizona and Tommy oh, yeah. Lloyd. So it's not like a guy who probably could be bitter towards the program or towards the administration. And he doesn't seem to be, at least not publicly. So like, if he's come out and just talking crap about Arizona, that's one thing. He hasn't done that. You know, He's got a new job back at a place where he was comfortable. He's had success. Best of luck. Meanwhile, Arizona, with their new coach, Tommy Lloyd, seems to be in great shape. And that's really what I think we care most about. Yep. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> that sums it up, Adam. I think that sums it up nice. I think that probably sums it up for our show, too. Is there anything else? Do we miss anything, Brett? No, I, I was checking to see if we had any reviews. We, I got I to gotta do some uh, post a thirst trap for some ratings and reviews for us to do some live reads, or I got to write my anonymous, wink, wink, uh, review of the Adam Green. Sure. But we haven't had one in a while, man. No, on the we iTunes, yeah. Some- like, if you... If you're listening, you found us on iTunes or Spotify, probably. If you're on iTunes especially, subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review and a rating. We will read that review on the That's what Brett's talking about. Whatever you say, we will read. I mean, within reason, I guess. <laughs> I don't want to put a blanket statement out there, but we will read your constructive feedback, criticism, critiques, whatever it is. We will read that on our next show. Let's let's be real. We'll, we'll probably read things that are bordering on the line of unreasonable. Yeah, As long probably. as it's not completely bad. Right, exactly. Um, and also just make sure you follow us on Twitter at Wildcat Radio AZ. If you ever have any questions, we do the mailbags every now and then. But if you have any questions, just hit us up and ask, and we can address that on the next week's show. But I guess there's recruiting. There's – well, that's basically it right now, I think, because it's the summer. So there's not a lot going on. <laughs> but football is going to be ramping up in sh- short order, which means we get year two of the Jed Fish era. I know over the next few weeks, Brett, we'll do some season previews. We'll go down through our position breakdowns and everything like that because, one – we're excited for football, and two, we need to fill time. So everyone, look, keep an eye out for that, and we'll catch you next week. And until then, remember to bear down. Bear down.